I think um, last week Emma said, I really need some help with cricket. I don't know any of the rules. I have Googled them since. Oh, uh, Margaret. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Margaret wants to present Emma. Do you want to go? Oh, here we have a mic for this. Oh. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Cricket, as explained to a foreign visitor. (laughs) You have two sides. You have two sides, one out in the field and one in. Each man that's in the side that's in goes out. And when he goes out, he comes in. And the next man goes in until he's out. (laughs) When they are all out, the side that's out comes in. And the side that's been in goes out and tries to get those in out. Sometimes you get men still in and not out. When both sides have been in and out, including the not outs, that's the end of the game. <laughs> so there we go. Now you know how it's done. Now you're going to have a wonderful game. Let me just pray for you before you go. Let's pray together. Well, we gather together on a Sunday morning, and I'm aware that when you arrive and when I arrive, there's lots of things buzzing around our head, lots of things we're thinking about. Lots of things we're concerned about. Maybe it's things that are happening after this and we're thinking, oh, I really must get out of the road before 12.30, otherwise I'm stuck here till everyone goes past. Um, Or maybe it's something that you left at home and you're thinking about it, or there's worries on your mind. And, you know, sometimes we gather and we just think, well, we'll have this time together and then I'll move on and I'll do all that. But actually, when we gather together, we gather as God's people. We come to do something, to engage with God, to come together before him. We don't just come to passively sit in a pew and let everything go past us. So I thought what might be good, you hopefully have received a thought bubble. That's what this is, in case you didn't realise. Is You've got a pen, hopefully. If not, there'll be some around, maybe is to just maybe write or draw, if, if you, you don't want to write, you could draw things that you've been thinking about, things that are on your mind, things that might be flashing through your mind while you're here. And then when we come together to actively worship God together, we're going to offer our thoughts to him to look after, to take care of, so that we don't have to have them buzzing around our minds and we can focus a bit clearly. So write your thoughts your worries, your concerns, in your bubble, or draw a picture of them, and take a few moments to do that before we begin our worship together. But Psalm 95 says this in the Bible, it says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So let's stand this morning and worship God, and as we do, let's offer him the things that are on our minds. Let's stand to sing praise to the Lord. 
As we gather together, we're going to spend a little bit of time praying this morning before John comes to speak to us. Uh, we're going to, we've got a PowerPoint with lots of pictures about situations that are going on in the world, in our uh, community and in our country. And there'll be some music that accompanies this. You can either look at the pictures, listen to the music and think about what's going on or offer these things up to God as you see them um, on the screen. Or there might be things that these pictures trigger that you've been praying for and you can offer those things up to God. Don't feel restricted by what I happen to have put up on the PowerPoint. Use them as things that trigger things in your mind and heart and offer these up to God. We'll listen to the CD and watch the PowerPoint and then we'll uh, spend some time praying together after we've done that. But do use this time to lift the things that appear up to God. In a moment, John's going to come and speak to us as we begin our series on the book of Joshua. We start in chapter 1, as would make sense. And uh, this morning I'll be reading from verses 1 to 9 of the first chapter of the book of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, good to be here on my annual pilgrimage up north, and uh, it's lovely to bring a lovely day. Not often I bring a lovely day when I come, but it's lovely to have a, a beautiful day out there. And it's quite interesting we had two boys sitting in between my wife and I just for a time. It reminded me of when we had our boys at church and tried to keep them quiet. <laughs> um, but it's lovely uh, having, that, having them with us. So, yes, as uh, Kate said, and if you've got a name, <laughs> you're starting a series in the book of Joshua. And I got the great privilege of starting this series off. Just a little bit of context, perhaps. Now, Joshua comes after Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is the last book of what the Jews called a Torah, or the five books of the law. The five, first five books of what we call the Old Testament. 
And in that, we are told of the beginning of the history of God's people of Israel. It tells of the creation of how God made everything in the world, including men and women. It tells of the calling of the people of God, the Jews. It tells of their slavery in Egypt and their rescue, their redemption from Egypt by Moses. Then they wandered 40 years in the desert. And though that's the first five books, it's only really the start of the beginning of the history of Israel. Now, some people find history dull. And I had a history teacher who used to write on the blackboard, if you remember what blackboards were, uh, information on whatever event he was teaching about. We just had to copy it out. So when I went to those history lessons, I realised I needed glasses because I couldn't see anything on the board. Probably why I failed history. Um, But we did have another history teacher who made history come alive. It made you interested in what he was talking about, the events, the people involved in history. And history in the Old Testament is really a declaration from God about God. It's God's word telling us about who he is and what he does and what he wants us to do. Now, this book of Joshua comes at the end of this beginning of the story of God calling a people and leading to the land that he had promised for them. And it tells how the people of God entered and conquered the land and at the head of these people was Joshua. Now, the one thing most people know about Joshua is that he fit the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Um, and you will hear about that later on in the series. And you will find out there's much more to Joshua than someone who was leading an army. So we start. Moses has died. And if you read the end of Deuteronomy, just before uh, Joshua, it ends with a eulogy to that great man. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. No one was as great as Moses, no one was like him. And though the people expected his death because they were told that Moses would die before entering the promised land, Death always comes as a shock, even if you're expecting it. And so it was for the people who had been led by Moses for 40 years. Suddenly, the person who'd kept them, led them, saved them from Egypt had gone. So, no pressure on Joshua then. Moses, the greatest Jew that had ever been, had gone. I think it would be a bit like me uh, following Spurgeon at the Metropolitan Tabernacle. I'd feel just as scared as I think as Joshua would. But Joshua wasn't completely inexperienced. He had been with Moses since he was young. In Numbers 11 we read, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aid since youth. He'd also been with Moses on Mount Sinai, and he was one of the 12 spies sent into Canaan, and was, with Caleb, the only ones to bring back a positive report. And because he and Caleb brought back these positive reports, and because they relied on God, 
they were the only ones that were allowed to enter the promised land. And his name, Joshua, was given to him by Moses. Again in Numbers, Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. Hoshea means deliverance or salvation. Joshua means Yahweh saves or delivers. And the first person in the Bible to be given a name which includes God's holy personal name, Yahweh, the name that he had to himself. And it was appointed to all who was going to be in control in this move into the promised land. But more importantly, Joshua was selected by God to be Moses' successor. So Numbers 27, verse 15, we read, Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in. Sounds like cricket. Anyway, sorry. Um, So that the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so that the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar, the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord instructed through Moses. So he'd been commissioned by God, he'd been commissioned by Yahweh. So Joshua was not alone. He has Yahweh, God, to help him. And this God gives Yahweh instructions. Now, I think we all wish sometimes that God will give us clear instructions, you know, post it through the letterbox. We hear words from above, but it doesn't always work like that. And I'm not quite sure that if I was Joshua, I'd quite like to hear what God was going to tell me to do. But God's instructions are not to look back, they're not to weep or mourn for Moses, not to wait on this side of the Jordan but to get up and cross the river and take the land that God had promised to them. God's promises always remain. They don't change. They're not dependent on any one person, no matter how great they might be. They're not dependent on Moses, they're not dependent on preachers, they're not dependent on anything but the fact that God has said this will happen, and so it will. The verses that Kate read contain sort of three themes. The command to go and take the land, the fact that God will be with Joshua, and the importance of the word of God. Joshua is commanded by God to go and take the land God has promised for the Israelites. And this command is addressed to all the people, not just to Joshua, but to Joshua and all the Israelites. And it was this promised land, promised to them, especially to Abraham. Genesis twelve seven, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring I will give you this land. 
and in Genesis 13, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. In verse 2 in Joshua, the word give means about to give. In verse 3, it means I have given. So there's a, a sense that God is about to give something to the Israelites because they've got to go in and take it. But there's also the sense that God's already given it to them because he has promised he would. And the extent of the land ran from Euphrates River in the north, the Red Sea in the south, and then the Mediterranean Sea in, look, getting my geography right, west and uh, to the east of the desert. And the nearest the Israelites actually got to occupying the whole of the land was during the reigns of David and Solomon. As we read through the history of the Jews, we discover they never did actually occupy the whole of the land that God had promised them. And it was because they didn't obey God's law. They didn't obey God's command. So... God said to Joshua and the people, go in and take this land that I have promised to you. Second thing is that God will be with Joshua. Joshua is facing what seems an impossible task. Think Donald Trump winning the Republican nomination. Who thought? Yes, I know, there's a few (laughs) grimaces there. Or Lester winning the premiership. Who thought? Um... So he had this impossible task of following the greatest leader the Jews had had. It is enough to make anyone tremble with fear. I know just going past the fair, you've got a house of fear there. Um, so he was seeing this land, and I think he was scared because he thought, can I cope with this? Can I do this? This is something I'm not used to doing. Okay, being beside Moses, but he hadn't made the decisions. So God immediately reassures Joshua the words, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Joshua had seen how Yahweh, how God had helped Moses through all the difficult times in that desert. So he knew this same God would be with him. And these words, the previous words about going in to take the land were addressed to the whole people These words were just addressed specifically to Joshua. And we've all been in situations where we think we know we cannot cope, not in our own strength. We can't cope with what's going on. But we have this promise from God that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And we can hold on to that promise, knowing that God will be on our side. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cared for his people, Israel. God cared for their leader, Joshua. That's why we can cast our fears and cares on him. And as I said, Joshua's seen all that God had done through Moses. And Moses himself had taught him, taught Joshua the ways of God. And Moses as we read, had laid his hand on him, and Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom, it says. 
something he was really going to need. And the words used by God to Joshua are the same as he used to Moses when Moses was first called by God. Who am I, he said to God in the burning bush, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I can't do it. Don't choose me. There's some other better people around. But God said, I will be with you. And if God is with you, you can do anything. Moses had died, but Yahweh, God, remains the same. So Joshua had the promise of the presence of God. And in light of this promise that God would be with him, God goes on to say, be strong and courageous, verse 6. Be strong and very courageous, verse 7. Be strong and courageous, verse 9. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, verse 9. These words repeat the words that the Lord already said to Joshua before in Deuteronomy. Be strong and courageous, for you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on oath, and I myself will be with you. This repetition, I think, suggests that Joshua needed this encouragement. He could only be strong and courageous because he knew God was with him. The God who led his people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. The God who fed his people with manna and quails and provided water when it was needed. This God of power would be with Joshua. So only then could he be strong and courageous. And at the very end of this passage, God underlines this by saying, For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua could only do what he was going to do, what you're going to learn about in the next few weeks, because the Lord, your God, would be with him. But then, in this, God talks about the importance of his word. God is clear that Joshua needs to obey and follow his word if he is to succeed. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Do not let this book of the law depart from your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Because what was being talked about there was again the five books, the Torah. But that was the word of God. That was a word that they had at that time. And there are two commands here to Joshua. The first is to obey all the law, not to turn to anything else, not to turn to the right or to the left, not to deviate, and be careful to do everything written in it. The second is to know what the law says, and it should be on his lips and in his heart day and night. He should meditate on it, which doesn't mean you empty your mind of everything and don't think of anything. It means to focus on God and to read his words, and to speak his words. Because if we don't know the word of God, it's very difficult to obey what he's telling us to do. Psalms we read, from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant, and remember to obey his precepts. A promise with a condition. Um, the Lord's love will be with us, but we must remember to keep his covenant 
and to obey his word, his precepts. It's interesting that Joshua is about to start off on a military campaign. He's going to try and take this country, this promised land, which is full of people and tribes who don't want the Israelites to be there. So there are going to be some battles. But God doesn't give Joshua military instructions. He doesn't set out, if you do this, you put you know, a group of uh, archers there and fighters here and whatever. What he says is, um, obey my law. He doesn't set out how to win battles, how to defeat enemies, but instructions on how to follow his law, how to obey God. So it's going to be as much a spiritual as a physical battle. Now this command to follow God's law is followed by a promise of success and prosperity. And some use this verse and others like it to proclaim what we call prosperity gospel, that we should succeed financially in every venture we carry out if we do not If we don't do that, we lack faith. Something is wrong with our Christian life. We don't succeed in our financial business. Well, my answer to that, and always is that, is look at Jesus. He had nowhere to lay his head and no resources at the bank. He was not someone who preached a prosperity gospel. He was someone who preached, take up your cross and follow me with someone who had to go through suffering so that our sins might be dealt with. And anyway, the words prosperity and success used here and in most of the Old Testament do not relate to financial success, but to succeed in life's proper work. And for Christians and for the Israelites, their proper work was to obey God, to obey God's law, And if they did that, if the Israelites did that, and if Joshua did that, they would have success in their venture. And their venture was to enter and take that land that had been promised to them. So Joshua is a book, and you'll see this as you go along with the book, in which we see that God keeps his promises. The promise that he would give Jews, the Israelites, a land. The promise that he would be with his people and especially with Joshua. I said before that Joshua means Yahweh saves or Yahweh delivers. But most of you will know that in fact Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. And when we read in Matthew that Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people, from their sins. God saves. Jesus saves. As Joshua led his people into the promised land, it's a point forward to Jesus who would lead his people into a new future, into his kingdom. The kingdom that he brought about, not by riches, but by going to a cross, by dying on a cross, but by rising again so that he's now alive and can be alive in us today. Joshua points us to Jesus, because basically it's the same name. So for Joshua, 
Yahweh saves and saves his people. For us, Jesus, Jesus saves and is saving his people. Amen. I'll sing a good old hymn, which is Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. It's again, it's looking to the only guide that we can have and should have, which is Jehovah, our God. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.